Hey, it's your girl B. Welcome to my podcast where we talk about anything and everything. Make sure to follow me on my social media, Instagram, JBSU18, Snapchat, JBSU, and Twitter, at Perfect Flute. Now let's get started. Today's podcast is going to be taken from an article that was, um, or several articles that were written by Jeff Bulis. He's an individual who is an entrepreneur who just took time out of his day every morning um, to write a little bit that became more of a success later on. Um, That is the concept of what we are going to be discussing today. Welcome to my podcast. I don't say that enough uh, during these podcasts, but welcome if this is your first time listening in. Um, Today's podcast is mainly going to be about um, how what we could do in our daily lives can transform the outcome of our success um, based on little habits uh, that we tend to do every day. So um, for this podcast, I took an article or Uh, many articles um, that were gathered into one um, by a man named Jeff Buell. So information that I'm going to be telling you guys isn't all mine, but I will have some things that are. (sighs) Sorry. (sighs) So tired. My son cut me up. And by the way, if it's your first time listening in, I have an eight-month son. He's going to be nine really, really soon. Um by next week or so and so um i'm struggling with the teething process and all that um as well so let's get started okay so at the beginning of his article he mentions um you know the one habit that transformed his life um that led up to the reason why he gets up at 4:30 a.m uh every day for the past four years um, he mentions the secrets to resilience and the morning happiness ritual that will make you flourish and thrive. Okay, so he's mentioning how he gets up at 4.30 every morning for the past four years. Okay, so he has this um, strange habit of, you know, waking up and turning off all, you know, distractions such as social media, um, emails, etc. So that way he could focus on is writing okay so that's not too strange and i don't know why he would put that because it's not really that strange right uh that he wakes up before his alarm clock and all of that um he mentions how there's a ritual he does (sighs) (sighs) Uh, he actually performs every morning which is just grabbing a cup of coffee which i completely understand because i love my coffee um i get coffee every morning at work especially I try not to drink it when I get up just because I know I'm going to be drinking a crap ton at work just to try to stay awake so he's drinking it uh, a cup of coffee um, a mug of lemon and tea Uh, he's just sitting down and relaxing and getting ready to prepare himself for an article that's just going to pop in his head um, he's done this for four years, so when he sits, he um, he plans right in that moment. He doesn't necessarily plan beforehand, I believe. Um, and so I'm just kind of like wrapping up from memory most of his articles. But anyways, um, this one, you know, he's saying how um, 
sharing his experiences um, really gave him the opportunity to become an entrepreneur and to become a creator um, for his blog. That is now more of a success than he ever thought it would be. Um, and he says, the personal creation is an investment in you. But don't keep your creation hidden from the world. You share it and you see where the magic happens. Uh, that's exactly what he did. So that was more of like what he did for the past four years that um, allowed him to be the man who he is today. Uh, I, I never even knew this guy until I started researching some stuff for work. Um, and he popped up on my Twitter. And for one Twitter post, I just wanted to see some of the stuff that he was writing. And ever since then, he sends me emails. <sighs> You know, of course, these emails are not personal at all. They're more of advertising his business. But he does mention um, a brief description in every email what the article is going to be about and why we should read it. And I kind of like that. It's, it's personal in that way, if that makes any sense. So before he ever thought about starting a blog, he was talking about how we all feel. We have that false security of a job that... Um, we think it's going to be a good one. Um, he says um, we tend to search for that craved career that uh, potentially destroys um, or is being destroyed by a corporate takeover or the cruel game of office politics. A job we pay for is being replaced by a 12-month contract or the freelancer. So He's saying this because it's easier to become a freelancer or um, entrepreneur rather than just seeking that career that we're going to be miserable in. And he also says, well, you know, we tend to create excuses of, I don't have time for that. I know I thought that um, I wouldn't have time to do these podcasts or write my blogs or anything like that. But, you know, I take time throughout the week to kind of do these. Yeah, I've been a little off lately just because of the move, um, starting this new job. But never have I ever thought that what I did wasn't important. So I just wanted to um, stress that, you know, I, I'm doing this because I want to do it for myself. Um, it's not to gain any recognition, but he does mention how we tend to want a source of validation um, and anything that we do and I have been told that I want to be validated a lot um, and maybe that's why I wanted to start these podcasts or my blogs but really I just want to do it for myself and see where it takes me not necessarily get famous or anything like that but just to kind of um, see what my future might hold you know um, so that's why I really wanted to do this and I, I'm not creating excuses as to why I shouldn't write or shouldn't record but Jeff, um, he does mention that investing in your own creation, production, and distribution of your experience, expertise, and passion while holding down a day job can transform your life. I know it has for me. Um, I do know that I'm getting a little bit more recognition with my podcasts, and that, that does feel good to know that people are listening. Um, they're not really commenting. I don't get messages or anything that often, but um, I just knowing that someone's out there listening is good enough for me, you know. So um, he also mentions that there's this book called Deep Work Rules for Focused Success. 
um, and a distracted world uh, by a guy named Carl Newport and he dives into the difference between deep work and shallow work. Any of us that are trapped in the never-ending cycles of responding to emails, attending meetings, know the feeling. Um, at the end of the day, you are asking that question of what have I done or created today that is of any consequence? So um, he mentioned that there's a solution to that or uh, to that question. It would be, it doesn't matter um, if you are a knowledge worker within the corporate machine, an entrepreneur or a creative. So um, with these approach approaches um, that I guess Cal Newport um, created, it's supposed to help you determine what kind of approach that you might want to take in order to um, transform your life. So I guess there's a monastic approach of cutting yourself off from the world to focus and remove distraction. I know that for me, I like for these podcasts, I try to block out any distraction behind me, um, such as turning down the monitor, the baby monitor just for a little bit. Um, I don't, I keep the door cracked open so I can hear my son, but that way it's not a whole lot of sound and stuff, um, coming through the podcast. And I also kind of um, I listen to music when I'm writing my articles or anything like that, and I kind of block off any distractions by, you know, putting my headphones in or anything like that, and I only write them when my son's asleep. I try not to write them when he's awake because something could happen, um, but I, I guess I kind of do that, uh, but there's a bi-model approach where this is where you may work and perform the day-to-day -to, -day to work in one location and do your deep work at another. Uh, you then dive in and out of each space. I know I do that. I work, so I've mentioned this to someone else, is that for schoolwork or anything that, I worked so much better in the library than I do at home. And I think it's just because at home, I'm comfortable of being, quote, lazy. It's not that I don't have motivation to do anything. It's just I'm so comfortable where I'm at that I don't have a need to do anything else because I, I'm like, mm, I could do that later. Whereas the library, I'm on it. I get things done within a couple, sorry, within a couple hours and that's it. You know, I've mentioned this to someone else and um, he thought that was kind of weird, but for me, that's what I did, especially in college. Like I didn't really do any work outside of the library um, or off campus because I knew I wouldn't get it done, you know. Very few times is where I would get some assignments, like um, write a quick story. Okay, I could do that real quick before I go to bed. And it would be like, oh my goodness, it's midnight? Yes. <laughs> so um, that's what happened. I do that too. I feel like you could take any approach. It's not, these approaches mentioned aren't um, what necessarily you do because I can relate to most of them. Um, but yeah, that just something to kind of think about of what approach that you tend to take. Then there's a journalist approach is this is approach where you seize the opportunity to perform deep work at random as time and your schedule allows. Um, uh, for me, no, I don't necessarily do this one. Um, uh, there is another one of rhythmic approach. This is where you set apart a certain time of day to create and block it out 
um, every day and commit to that ritual. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to make sure, you know, oh, podcast day. That'd be Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, blog, Wednesdays, you know, all that stuff. I'm trying to create a set schedule and it's hard. It really is because I'm also trying to um, be healthy and, um, you know, make sure my finances are okay. Because recently I just had a situation where my bank account got hacked, you know, not necessarily the account, but my debit card. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, hackers out there, they don't care what they do to you. Um, but this was a stressful time because past couple weeks I was dealing with, you know, I had limited money for myself, um, for even food. And so I've honestly sacrificed a lot of food, um, to spare for my son. And so it's been rough, um, just because right now I'm living paycheck to paycheck, uh, just because of certain things I got to pay off. But, um, yeah, having $400 take out of your account without you knowing, yeah, that's not good. So, um, that was a complete drawback. Um, so that's what I've been dealing with lately. But, um, you tend to, after you get these approaches kind of figured out and, um, what approach that you take to try to do a certain task, um, that becomes your habit, right? So, um, then he mentions again in the article, again, how like he wakes up at 4.30 every morning, um, before anyone mainly but he does this uh, because he knows he gets more work done during that time and so I tend to realize that I do the same thing as when I get up early in the morning I don't like it but you know once I'm up and ready and I have the motivation to get as much done as possible the environment also contributes to the energy that you have day to day so um, I know that for work, <laughs> all the walls are white. <laughs> there is hardly any color in the office. And so for me, like as soon as I walk in, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm just drained. I don't know if anyone else has experienced that or not, but I know that when I'm walking um, into a home and it's splashed with color, I have all this energy just to do anything, especially when I worked like... Um, Let's see, I've worked at quite a few places, but I worked at this daycare and all the walls were a different color. And I know I just felt happy. And it wasn't just the color, it was just, you know, vibrant colors. It, it was just that as soon as you walked in, you felt this warmth. I walk into the office and I feel nothing. I'm like, there needs to be a little, I mean, there's some color, yes, here and there, but it's just all the walls are so white, it's draining. You're sitting at that desk and you're just like, Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's, it's hard, um, but I try to make it worthwhile by getting up and trying to walk around, and um, there are art pieces and stuff on the walls and stuff, and I try to stare at those for a little bit just to kind of get motivated to complete the rest of my tasks. Um, so overall, he's saying that we create, publish, showcase our own existence without waiting for permission or to be, quote, discovered. Um, so we do, we, if you want to start a blog, you want to do it for yourself. You don't want to do it because someone told you to or anything like that. I was pushed to do it because I said how I want to start one. And he told me, go for it. Don't hold back. And I feel like sometimes we are numb to our surroundings and so comfortable around them that 
we, like I said, we continue to make excuses as to why we don't want to do it. We say that we don't have time during the day or after a while we get bored. You know, I, um, you know, when he mentions validation, that really hit home for me because, you know, I'm, I was, at first when I started doing this podcast, I kept checking my phone like, oh, am I getting any views? Oh, am I getting any messages? And after a while, it just became like, why do I do these? And then I had to reassure myself, I do these because hopefully I could uh, entertain somebody. I mean, I know I'm entertaining. Uh, I'm sure by listening to me, you guys are like, oh, she's stupid. Oh, she, she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> but for me, um, I know that eventually someone's going to understand where I'm coming from. Um, I, I'm biased in certain areas of what I talk about because I am a single parent. I'm struggling guys, I am struggling. So being a parent is not fun by any means, but, um, the rewarding aspect is that I'm doing this on my own. Um, yeah, I have help from my family, uh, whenever I need it, but I'm doing this on my own. And that gives me the energy to keep going is that I look into my son's eyes and I just know, you know, I'm doing a good job and I am your mom and I love you very much and I'm not going to give up and I'm not someone who does give up. So, um, there was only one or two jobs that I actually quit from. Sorry, I just had to take some water, but um, that I quit. And my first job was Pizza King, and I quit because, first off, I was starting college. But secondly, the environment was not good by any means. Um, I had a manager who was just rude as hell. Like, I don't like to curse during my podcast, but seriously, she did not give two about anyone. She made fun of someone um, because she grew up not reading, um, you know, numerical clocks. She grew up to a digital one. So for her, she struggled with time. And because she couldn't tell you instantly, she sent that girl to do dishes for eight hours straight during her entire shift. Um, I worked there longer than my best friend at the time did. And my friend got promoted before I did. How does that make sense? I mean, I was doing as much work as possible, and it was just because I wasn't communicating with her as much. I wasn't joking around um, and all that. So I'm just like, this is a little bull, you know? Um, but the environment just was not good, so I had to quit. I had to before college. Because first off, it would have been over an almost like 45-minute drive from college to that job, and so I just didn't want to deal with that. Um, so, yeah. So then... The other job I had to was um, right before I gave birth to Parker um, because I knew I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. I mean, as soon as I gave birth, um, I drew my, you know, my maternity leave checks and all that stuff. But um, when it was almost time for me to go back, I just, I, we, his dad and I, we were together at the time and we just struggled. It would have been more of a struggle to continue working and we had to find someone who would watch. Uh, my son, uh, the, at that job, I worked third shift, so no one's going to watch my son from midnight to eight in the morning, you know, so it wasn't going to happen, so I normally don't quit, but under those circumstances, I didn't have a choice. Um, anyways, <laughs> so back to the article, um, he does mention how we all have to develop this um, sort of resilience 
aspect of ourselves, I guess. So he says that research shows that majority of successful people had a tough start to their lives. I believe that's true. I believe um, the more successful you are, the, the more you understand where someone's coming from who's actually struggling now. Um, but under certain circumstances, like, um, I don't believe Trump ever really struggled in his childhood. So I don't think he'd ever understand where everyone's coming from. Uh, so certain individuals, I think that when you read their bio and you see where they came from, where they were raised, you know, if they are willing to talk about their childhood, um, on talk shows, yeah, people might laugh and stuff because they might try to find that funny story in their life. But if they, they are telling you, you know, I grew up where, you know, we struggled to even find, you know, money to feed ourselves or feed the kids. Um, I grew up... You know, for me, I didn't struggle as much. Um, I know there was one part of my life, sorry, where uh, my mom was like, "We gotta buy all these canned stuff because, you know, we're gonna, we're most likely gonna go through another depression." And I was scared. <laughs> I was legitly scared around that time. Um, but I grew up to hard work, so for me, I didn't struggle as much. But I grew up to more of a disciplined home and so um being cut off from you know hanging out with people and stuff I I developed you know sort of um I lacked social skills overall but once college hit um I think it just I was uncomfortable at first but then my eyes were open you know so anyways that's a little off topic (laughs) sorry um but he says that but we can't choose that um, for uh, a tough start in our lives. That It just happens. So maybe being happy is overrated. So the reality is that some of us have more resilience than others that dialed in. Um, so he says, as humans, we play on the edge of success, chaos, and tragedy. This often happens while we are planning our lives. That is the human condition. The unexpected intersects with stability and security, events beyond our control. We need resilience to ride over these speed bumps. Um, so, but many of us aren't prepared for those events. I know that I'm not prepared for what is going to be happening in my future. Although I try to do my best to be as prepared as I can, you know, we have to live every day as if, as if it is our last for a reason. Because stepping out of my home, out of my safe place, I'm going to be in that moment where, you know, um, a truck could swerve off the road and hit me and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's chaos. That's what he's saying. But we have to be above all of it. Um, we have to be above and take risks. We just have to um, in order to be successful. Because if we're, like, for me, um, yeah, I'm in the dating pool again. And um, I don't want to find someone who's comfortable where they're at, you know. I want someone who is striving for more for a reason. Because if we were too comfortable, then, you know, maybe I just should be alone. Because we wouldn't be getting anywhere everything would be too routine, you know, 
But if you're going after someone who's wanting something more, you know, then you can get excited. You can have different experiences and events happening in your life and yada, yada, yada. And I want that. I want the unexpected because I just, I can't stand routines. You know, I'm living day to day right now as a routine and I'm trying to change it, which is why I, I turned to my podcasts and my blogs. It's because it's something added. It's something different. Every podcast is different. Every uh, blog post is different. I don't want the same thing to keep reoccurring, you know. So he's saying um, some are born with resilience, um, or all of us are, but the skills for resilience is a completely different thing. So there are routines and habits that allow us to manage our emotions, handle situations with some clarity and ride out the storm. But being resilient is a range of skill sets. So you have to um, be more persistent and not giving up. Um, you have to find a way to make it work. So, But a lot of us are fearful of what is to come. Um, you know, the obstacles that are, are surrounding us. And I, I get that, um, especially now being a single parent. I can't mention that enough, is being a single parent sucks. Um, but it's a huge obstacle I have to overcome by myself. But the challenge of it should not keep me um, from seeing opportunities around myself. It should allow me to take a risk and to create a better um future you know I have to make opportunities grow within you know within that fear um, I feel like the fear in some ways holds you back but in other ways it gives you that boost of energy um, in a weird way I think it does hold you back a lot but I, it also makes you more determined that you can do whatever you set your mind to if that I hope that makes sense but um for me, I'm fearful that I am not being a good mom, but there are certain times where I'm like, you know what, you know, F that girl, you know, that, that, you know, lacking of confidence. I am a good mom and I have to remind myself that I am doing the best that I can and I can't allow others to um, tear me down or reading certain articles that I can relate to tear me down. Because every situation um, in everyone's life is going to be different. And I should never let that hold me back. So fear can hold you back, but can also give you that kick in the ass type thing, you know. So so the great thing about Jeff Eula is that, and especially in this article, he mentions how um, some of what we can do to um, practice being prepared for any opportunity that could be, you know, coming our way. Um, so one is practice being grateful, being thankful for the small things in life puts your problems into perspective. That means you can laugh at the absurdity of the thoughts that can sometimes produce energy sapping anxiety. Two, take small risks and get used to the small failures. No matter how prepared you are, this happens to everyone. So when the bigger mistakes show up, you will know that it usually never is fatal, but just a warning sign. Uh, this can also help you to be more prepared or to not do it again. 
Uh, three, don't worry about what you can't control. You do have to look after what you can and dismiss what you can't control. You will have to ride them out. Um, and then number four, you live in the now. So sometimes called the mindfulness. So our mind often runs the show. It can often overwhelm us with imagined future foes. So running your life um, even when it hasn't happened yet. So this one habit can be practiced and it does work, but it's discovered um, for over 10 years ago. So um, at least he did. He discovered this over 10 years ago. Um, Jeff did and clarify that up. Um, five, reduce stress with exercise. Being too busy with exercise will catch up with you and when you most need endurance, the body can't support your spirit. So we are not just minds and bodies in different boxes, but it is all connected. That one kind of hit home for me because I'm trying to live a better life, so I'm constantly exercising and trying to be better, but I'm also um, not wanting to overdo it either because I don't want to be consumed in that because I know that if I go out to the gym right after work, I don't have time to um, pamper myself or to take care of my son the way I need to of feeding him, um, you know, baby food and stuff. Because usually if I go come home from the, from the um, gym, it's usually a, you know, give him a bottle or two and then he's out. Because um, by that point, it's almost 10 o'clock and I get up around 4, 4.30 every morning to get ready for work so you know I try to balance more of that time with my son and um, not be so consumed in exercise but I know I need to exercise every day as much as possible you know so I try to balance it out as much as possible so number six you practice meditation being too busy to stop and be is setting yourself up to be overwhelmed the art of being still is an investment in the future so lay the foundation for a more productive productive day a more resilient you. I love this one too because I know that I haven't really been uh, meditating as much as I should have, but um, when I start up again, I will feel the way I felt before, which is just relax and more focused. As weird as it sounds, if you just take the time, you you know, you know, light some incense. Some people can't handle incense, so I get it. So light a candle or anything like that, something that smells really good and just you listen to um, meditation music that can be found on YouTube or whatever, but I listen to ones that's for, it's supposed to help balance the chakra um, in you and all that. So um, the uh, seven powers or whatever that's in yourself. And so I listen to that as I'm doing it and I just feel more focused and relaxed. It's an awesome feeling. Okay. And number seven, you ask for help. So successful people know they can't do it solo. So they, they know that they can't do it all. They understand when they need to ask for a helping hand. It isn't a sign of weakness. It's smart, but this can only work when you have invested and given to others over the years. I mentioned this in my, um, my blog. It's that my, one of my weaknesses is um, not asking enough for help. I tend to like to do things on my own just to show that I can do it, but I know I have that support with me, so I just, I tend to lack asking for help when I need it most because I don't know what it is, honestly. Um, I think it's just more of an independent type thing. You know, I was raised to be a lot more mature 
than uh, most of the uh, kids that went to our school. And so we had to think, you know, how to support ourselves and all that in certain circumstances. Because honestly, I feel like it was a smart way to do it um, of my parents, just because you don't know what it's to expect of you um, in life. So uh, what is to be expected of you? Sorry. But so, for example, if, you know, no, I don't want it to happen, but if, if something were to happen to my parents, then I need to know how to take care of myself. And at that time, in elementary or middle school or high school, um, we would have to know how to take care of ourselves. Um, often, in all, most cases, my siblings would have gone to foster care. But, you know, uh, if we were 18 at the time, my sister and I could have taken care of the kids. But um, it was just one of those things we would have to know how to, you know, live without our parents. And I think it better prepared us for the real world, although it did hold us back from being kids. That is the downfall to all of it, is that it held us back from being social with our friends and having that... Um, that rebellious stage. I mean, because my sister did go through it. My twin did. Um, but I didn't. I went through a phase where I did meet up with a guy who was not a guy that I would ever go for again. But I think it was just more prove a point. Like, I did come rebellious as who I, I wanted to date because my parents judged everyone that I dated at the time. So, I did go that route. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> I think it's beneficial, but I feel like it would have been beneficial more um, later on in life and not so early, you know, so that we could have been kids more than trying to be adults. And then, so, um, to go on about Jeff, he also said, the morning happiness ritual that will make you flourish and thrive. He mentions how there is a chronic disease in our modern society. In just two generations, it has increased by 1,000%. It's killing our best and brightest, our most creative and beautiful souls. Often it goes unseen, undetected until it's too late. It doesn't discriminate, but you may be a teenager, entrepreneur, or a mom or dad. It strikes the rich and famous, the gifted. Uh, this disease can come and go, um, rises and falls. Some people think they have conquered it, but a crisis happens, a financial challenge or the loss of someone close to you. That disease is depression and anxiety. It has many faces, and just recently it made its acquaintance with me. That's what he said, and I, I think that's beautiful. Um, and it says sum it up, because I know um, in high school, my last year at least, I was, I was so, quote, in like a puppy love type thing. I was with my boyfriend at the time for over two years. And he broke it off with me my senior year. And so I thought I could be, you know, whatever sadness that was going to come over me. And then college hit, and I just fell into this state of depression. I thought I could handle it at the time, but it just became worse and worse. And so... Um, I had to find something that would help me out because obviously I wasn't helping myself. Um, he mentions how usually the cure is to see a counselor, psychologist, or psychiatrist, drugs, um, good habits and routines, physical exercise, resilience skills, but 
um, sometimes it just isn't enough. So sometimes this can make it difficult for us to move on and continue our path to success. And I know that at that time I did feel like I could not do anything um, at all. But then I met um, a couple of people at an event for college and everything turned around. So, I mean, that was, it was easy for me to deal with it then. Um, but I know it hits home for a lot more people a lot harder. So the happiness ritual that he mentions is that we need to find, um, you know, a sacred place. So he mentions how Joshua or Joseph Campbell, sorry, the famous author of the hero with a thousand faces described, you know, you need to create a sacred place. You must have a room a certain time of day. You don't know what took place in the newspapers that morning, um, who your friends are. You don't know what you owe to anybody or what anybody owes to you. You have a sacred place, use it and take advantage of it. For creation, a place where you can experience and bring forth what you are and what you might be. A place of creative incubation. First, nothing may happen, but if you use and take advantage of it, then something will happen. And that's beautiful. You know, I like that quote. Um, and so upon doing this, you might actually discover yourself. You discover more of who you are. And so I know that um, college opened my eyes to everything. It just did. It, it brought me out of my shell. I'm more expressive in certain ways, but I do hold back a lot of how I feel. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm scared of what is to come or um, judgment of others, but it's just um, I'm expressive to certain people, but others I'm just not expressive at all. And I think it just determines on what is being talked of, you know, but I'm open more to um, trying new things and all that. So for me, I'm finding myself every day. It's not that I found myself completely. I feel like every day you should learn something about yourself um, in little ways, you know. Um, so he says you find a sacred place, um, you're creating a happiness ritual. It is not the answer to depression, but it will provide some solution to it. Um, and that is um, a really good way to put it. Uh, like I said, I found my way just by doing something I love and I, I grew out of a depression because I found dance. Um, I love to dance. And so when I went to this college party, uh, it's not really a college party per se. It's an event that's held for underage kids who um, can't drink obviously but it's a way to kind of hang out so they have like dances and they have like craft night and all this stuff and so I went and at, you know every event they have you could dance and so I along with some of the other people I've met with no one started dancing until we walked in and so that was sort of the validation that I got through that experience because I felt important I was getting my groove on and so that brought me out of my depression real quick, but it did not help my case with gaining some weight. Hmm. Unfortunately, that was the downfall was that I, that had already happened to me before I found this. And so I have been struggling with weight ever since, but, um, especially after having a kid, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So for me, I, I grew out of that depression, and now I'm falling into not really a depressed state, but more towards loneliness because I don't have my significant other anymore. Um, I'm dealing with it. 
I'm not rushing into any relationship or anything like that. I've put forth boundaries to certain individuals that I'm talking to. Um, mainly one, uh, we have set together. Um, just, we, you know, it's, I don't want to rush anything because I have my son. So, and that's, that's what's going to happen. You know, I, you know, I, I need to think about him as well as me and not just myself. Because if I do that, then I'm not being the best mom that I could be, you know. So anyways, that is the topic for today. Hopefully, if you guys have any um, input as to what was discussed, you know, don't be hesitant to uh, message me. We can probably create another podcast about it. But hopefully that kind of gives you some insight as to what you can do to create a better future for yourself. So um, anyways, I will talk to you later. Peace. As mentioned before, I am creating music just for fun right now until someone like wants to use it and I'm hoping that would be it, but I'm just kind of creating music for fun. Um, For example, like this one. little sample of what I've created um so hopefully you guys enjoy the next one but make sure to follow me on my social media um hopefully I'll be posting some of the stuff that I'm doing but um you know let me know what you guys think about the music that I'm creating and um follow me on social media of you know jbsu for my snapchat jbsu 18 for my instagram and perfect flute spelled p-u-r-r-f-e-c-t-f-l-u-t-e on my Twitter. Okay, so enjoy.